welcome to sex and everything else podcast a podcast which teaches you about sex relationships and different forms of sex and even how to be good at it in today's episode we have ourselves with olivia the host of the activation project and the founder of the activation project foundation the other team behind the activation project foundation is made up of a diverse fellowship of individuals bonded over prospering through adverse and traumatic experiences individually and together so let's hear their story hi olivia welcome to sex in everything else podcast hi how are you nishan i'm being great olivia how are you I'm amazing. I'm better than I've ever been in my life. I'm very happy and it's Sunday, which is one of my favorite days ever. Yeah, I can completely agree with that. Sundays are like, yes, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's the day to do whatever you want. <laughs> so, uh Olivia, uh let's start with the first question of the day. What is sex for you? what does this word mean to you or what memories it has for you well um sex is a very complex uh topic for me i first of all um what is it for me it's um a way to unite two people together i believe i truly believe that when two people have sex together it entangles them it entangles their energy together and it creates um sort of a metaphysical bond and um and so it's it's extremely important that you make really intentional decisions about who you decide to have sex with i'm actually on a 6 month sabbatical uh where i'm not having sex i'm abstaining from sex because I have never gone for a long period of time without having ha- like be without having have sex like very frequently. So, um at this point in my life I want to become a lot more conscious about who I'm sleeping with because if not then I get entangled and right now um my heart is fully open and so it's very susceptible to getting hurt and broken and stuff like that and and uh when but because i have such a habit of you know it's just sex is just a very normal natural thing for me it's also been a way that i've um sought validation for myself unhealthy validation and attention when in reality what i've really just been looking for is connection with somebody mm-hmm. and maybe intimacy and not necessarily sex so I decided that it's time for me to just take a break so I can sort of uh rebalance and align myself back, you know, with my higher self and get back into some healthier habits because I was raised in uh in a religious sex cult, so we were very highly sexualized growing up. And that kind of helped me to develop some um not super healthy patterns around sex. So I'm just recalibrating. Wow. it's it's really difficult to uh, get out of some such negative patterns when you are practically living around it every day something you are seeing every day 
Well, and it's not only that, because it's like also in Austin, Austin is a very highly sexualized place. And this is exactly where I came when I left the group. So I came straight to Austin. And um, right now there's this very like whole, this whole spiritually woke group in Austin and they're very into polyamory and being highly sexual and sleeping with whoever, you know, even if they're married. So it was very similar to how I was raised, but that's how our minds work, right? We, if we are stuck in a certain pattern or if we never healed or processed from a pattern from our childhood and growing up, we will recreate it in our future and our experience because that's what we know. That's what we feel comfortable with. So we will continue to find things that confirm these patterns in our life. So subconsciously, that might be why, you know, like I gravitated here because it's like, that's what I believe the world was like, you know? So it's even more difficult when everyone around you, even outside of that. And also TV, music, everything is very highly sexualized, right? Yeah, yeah, it is actually. Uh, I could even at times say it's one of the reasons why the teenagers uh, nowadays are so much into sex, even when they... See, uh, you were born and brought up in an environment that was highly sexualized but the kids today even when they are not brought up in such an environment they are constantly exposed to such ideas through television through all the music through all the movies so yeah they develop unhealthy patterns as well all right so olivia you mentioned a religious sex cult If you feel comfortable, could you tell us a bit more about it? Yes, absolutely. So um, it was a hundred, it was international. It was in 120 different countries. Okay. It was called the Children of God. And then it was later called the Family and then Family International. Okay. And uh, there was about 10,000 members, maybe 10,000 members at one time. So there's a lot of member ex-members now living around the world. Um, and uh, so um, we lived in these big communities and huge communes. There was like, in the beginning, there would be anywhere from like 80 to 120 people. And then they downsized to smaller ones, like 30, 40 people. And we would travel all over the country and essentially we would do missionary work. So we would, um, we'd help in orphanages, hospitals. I was in India and Nepal at one point, uh, volunteering in a girl's orphanage. And it was that part I really loved. We also used music. We used music so much in our, in our work, you know, like to help bring people happiness and joy. And I love music. It's a very integral part of my life. Um, I also loved the fact that we grew up with a lot of different kids, you know, and um, I always had lots of like brothers and sisters to play with and we had a great education. And the leader, as with most cult leaders, once they have so much power over such a large amount of people, they can start to believe that they are God. They start to get a God complex, you know, they're like the prophet. So everything they say is true and everything that they say is is expedient and um 
for whatever reason, these male cult leaders, they usually tend to go down a very sexual path because it's just, mm-hmm. you know, once you start getting, letting the power get to your head, you have all of these beautiful women and you start to push your boundaries and the limits of your power. And for, you know, guys, it can be very highly sexual. So they try to figure out a way to rationalize just being able to have sex, you know, with whoever and, and stuff like that. Um, okay. Uh, so, and that's kind of what started. He, he started this whole revolution called the law of love, flirty fishing, where he opened up the rules and made, um, oh, gave a sexual freedom. So it was like couples could share with other couples. And then once you were sex, 16, you could start um, having sex. 16 seems like quite tender age for that. Yeah, it's not, I mean, it's, it's a young age. It's um, depending on how much older, you know. So in the ACE test, which is the foundation of my nonprofit, the Activation Project, mm-hmm. I have developed a program to help people to heal their mind from trauma. Um, My project is is in three phases, activate your mind, activate your tribe, activate the world. Um, And a part of the phase one, activating your mind is understanding the ACE test, which is measuring adverse childhood experiences. So according to the ACE, if you have, like, if you kiss or touch or anything like that, any sexual thing, not even sex, just like touching, petting, all of that stuff, um, under the age of 18 with somebody who is five years older, that puts you, that gives you a marker for um, trauma. So major co- cognitive dysfunction comes from that trauma. So it's important to understand that as well. Um, and in a really highly sexualized place, there's a lot of pressure, right? Like I remember yeah. being 13 and just like, couldn't wait to lose my virginity. I was like, I need to lose my virginity as quickly as I can because I'm just not cool if I don't. So I tried to have sex when I was 13. It didn't really work because, you know, we were really young and the guys, he just couldn't get in. Um, So after that, I was like, how am I going to lose my virginity? I was trying with like a cucumber, like different types of vegetables. Um, And then I finally like, I lost it when I was 15 and then I ran away from home and a lot of sexual trauma started after that. I got raped a couple times and stuff like that. Okay. So uh, a lot of trauma started when you ran from the family international. A lot of my sexual trauma started when I ran away. Yeah. Because I, I didn't have any boundaries. I didn't know how to say no, because when in the group, we were just caught kind of taught to be compliant and especially when it came around sex. So I didn't have anyone to protect me. I was on my own. And when I felt like a guy wanted to have sex with me, I didn't know what to do. I would just, you know, kind of lay down and take it. I would just say, you know, yes. And it became a pattern. That was a pattern that continued in my life for a very long time. Oh, it, it must feel uh, so uh, helpless that you don't you don't want it, but you also don't know how to say no. Mm, yes, it's pretty heavy. Yeah. So, uh, how did you heal out of it then? How did you deal with the, all that pain and 
Uh, did you ever feel self-pity that, okay, I don't want it, then why is it happening with me or something on those ends? Can you repeat that? Did you ever feel that uh, I am helpless, I don't want it, but I still cannot help it or anything on those lines? Yes, yes. You d- I definitely felt helpless for sure. And also that feeling that you don't have anyone to protect you and that you feel helpless just that and kids can feel it too kids can feel it when they get bullied if they are on their own a lot like if they're a latchkey kid and their parents are working all the time and they're not around that feeling of not having protection or not being able to be protected is another marker for trauma on the ace test but it's kind of like i was very very resilient and i have a very strong mind which was hardwired for survival so i would just tell myself it didn't matter it's fine this is normal it's okay i forget about it forget about it okay so the way that you deal with trauma is you dis you usually disassociate from it so you pretend like it happened to someone else And what that does to your conscious mind is it splits. So when you have a traumatic experience, your subconscious will split. And that is, that could be also called as an alter ego. Yeah. In your personality, any sort of depression, bipolar, anxiety, schizophrenia, all of those are split split consciousness. So let's say, you know, uh, uh, let's see what happens. Mm, Let's say you get raped, right? Okay. Your consciousness has to split so that whatever the action that's happening, you pretend like it's happening to somebody else. So you create another person, basically, that it's happening to. But what happens is after that trauma leaves or after it's over that person still exists so every time something traumatic happens you start creating these different split parts of you and I don't know if you've ever met somebody who's like who, who you know to be very inconsistent like one day they're happy one day they're not happy sometimes they're angry sometimes they're mean sometimes they're just sad and they don't know why you know or maybe it can be even smaller than that. Like you wanting to uh, accomplish a goal. So you set a goal out for yourself, but then you can't accomplish it. You know, you just, what you try and try, but there's just a part of you that holds you back and causes you to self-sabotage and all of this stuff. Those are all split parts, right? So I had a lot of split parts because of uh, all of the trauma I went through. Not only that, like lots of spankings and everything. So When I was in my 20s, I was a mess. I loved alcohol. I would drink alcohol a lot and do a lot of drugs. I would party a lot. I was, you know, sleeping with a lot of guys and just trying to escape my mind because it was a very uncomfortable, scary place to be. I I hated all those split parts in myself. I hated it. I hated that I was so inconsistent that I would get so angry with with rage and explode. And I just, I I had so much inner turmoil and I didn't know who I was. So um, I ended up getting a DWI in 2017 and 
And I just was like, wow, you know, what's going on with my life? I was an entrepreneur and I was always very good at making money, but I wasn't really good at keeping money because I didn't know how to manage it. So after my DWI at the beginning of the year, I actually kept drinking, but then things were just getting really bad. And finally it was my court case was coming up. So my lawyer was like, Hey, maybe you should go to AA, the 12 step program. So I was like, okay. Um, I decided to go and that night I decided I was going to get sober. So I, I stopped drinking for two years wow. and I started on this path of healing and recovery. And I, you know, I got started working out a lot. I, I became an expert in nutrition. Uh, I started listening to tons of podcasts. I was wow. listening to audible books. I was feeding my mind. Um, and I was growing, but the problem was that everything was focusing externally. So even though I was getting healthier and I was looking better and I was for the most part happier, there was still things I couldn't get past. Like I couldn't get past the anger and I couldn't get past these certain things that I consider to be self-sabotage. And so I was starting to hit a ceiling for growth and I really wanted to get married and have kids, but all the guys that I ended up with, they were just, you know, they weren't ready and there was just something still not right there. And I didn't know what it was. And I just finally got desperate. And one of my friends was like, Hey, like I, I do these MDMA guided journeys. And, and I had heard about that through this organization called MAPS, where they use it to treat PTSD. And it's just good for, you know, really to heal your mind from trauma. So I decided to do that. And that's when my entire life started to change. It was the key that unlocked my mind. I was able to go back because I didn't remember most of my childhood. So I didn't know why I was fucked up. And I did not think that I had experienced anything bad or anything traumatic because I was just like, no, everything is fine. And I was bearing the memories, bearing the memories. So what happened when I did this journey was that all the memories came flooding back, but because I, the amygdala is blocked during that time, you can't access fight, flight, and freeze. So I went back and I, I, I started talking about all of these major events, all of these situations that had caused trauma. I learned about the ACE test. So major cognitive, behavioral, and economic dysfunction starts at a, if you score a four out of 10. That's when like a three, a three, two, but then more four. And then um, I scored an eight. So it's directly linked to 50% chance of getting cancer, 97% chance of being on antidepressants, job, uh, poor job performance, anxiety, depression, um, obesity. Obesity is a really big um, signal or sign of trauma. So, okay. so if you, if anybody knows people that are struggling with these things, then it's really important that you talk about it, talk about the ACE with them and help them to understand, because the truth is, it's just education and understanding the things that fuck us up is really the only way that we can find the solution to heal ourselves. Because if we don't know why the world is sick, then we don't have a shot in hell at healing people or fixing them. Right. True. So 
I've created a six month program, which is essentially, it's like a fast track to recovery because I, I don't believe that you have to go to therapy for years and just talk and talk and talk and money, pay money, take pharmaceuticals, take meds. I'm highly against all of that. You know, I think that if you make the decision to get better and if you're committed to healing, that relief can be imminent, very imminent. It all depends on your commitment and your willingness to let go of the identity that you have created for yourself. Because so many people live in the victim mindset, right? Where they're just like, this happened to me, this happened to me. They're living in, a, in, in effect. So all of life is cause and effect. Yeah, so when you're right. living in cause, you believe that you are, you are creating the life that you live. If you live in effect, you believe that you are the victim of the life that you're living. Now, the trouble with somebody who is very like, has this survival mentality like me is we don't ever connect to victims. But when we're children, we are victims. That's the, that's the difference. That's the distinction. When you're a child, you are not responsible for those kind of things because everything that you learn is taught and modeled by your parents. The problem is a lot of people don't want to assign blame to their parents. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we don't, uh, we feel that our parents are our ideals. So they can never right. be wrong. Because we also love them so much. Like I loved my mom with all of my heart. She was the most beautiful, wonderful woman. Yeah. So we don't want to, you know, assign fault to them. And so we try to rationalize it and make excuses. But the problem with that is that we take the blame on ourselves, which is not right, especially if you're a child. So once you turn 18, it's your responsibility to heal yourself because you can no longer, you know, yeah. pretend like you're a victim of your environment. After yeah. That. When you're 18, it's like 18, 20. It's like now you have to take control. You have that cognitive ability to think now. Mm. Absolutely. So spankings is a very, very, very traumatizing thing for children. And depending on how much you get spanked or how often it has a lot of pretty intense side effects. So you have anger, a lot of anger. I got a lot of spankings, a lot of them. And uh, it, it just, it, it detaches you from empathy. And here's, the, here's a bit, the big issue that I have with that. Because parents, they think that they are spanking you because they love you. And because it's just very ingrained in culture that it's the child's fault. The child needs to be punished. Child needs to, uh, to be punished for what they're doing. Yeah. And when you have this super loose concept of what love is, then anything and everything goes. You get the parent who's spanking the kid and is like, I'm doing this because I love you. Meanwhile, they're fucking them up and they're teaching them that that is what love is, which is yeah. it's, it's, it's designed to keep our society sick and, and screwed up. And then you have the abusive husband. I'm sure you've seen it in the movies where they're like, 
I'm just doing this because I love you. You just make me so mad because I love you so much. And like all of this stuff when in reality, we have to have a very objective framework for what love is. And it's a standard and we hold all actions and things to this standard and anything else is not love. It cannot be love by definition. Love is our involuntary response to virtue if we are virtuous, period. So depending on how you're raised, right, you can seek validation and get your needs met. But fundamentally, what it looks like is, or what it is, is us not getting our needs met. We were not taught from children how to communicate our needs, what we needed, because parents typically negotiate for their kids' needs. No, you're going to eat this. No, you're going to do this. No, you're going to do this, Yeah, you know? And so we never learn how to get our needs met because we have these internal needs that are specific to our human design Mm -hmm. and everybody is different. But when we're taught to suppress those needs, then we start to seek validation to get our needs met in unhealthy ways. And that looks different for everybody. Some people, they get their needs met through alcohol. Some people do it through drugs. Some people do it through sex. Some people get validation and their needs met by being a workaholic and being super successful. Um, Some people do it by getting super fit. Like there's higher functioning ways. There's higher coping mechanisms to get your needs met, but it's still spiritual bypassing. You're still not looking at the problem. So This is low level functioning, sleeping around, fucking, drinking, all that stuff. And this is higher coping, yoga, meditation, fucking um, green juice, being a vegetarian, vegan, you know, all these things that people are like, this is what I'm doing to like align myself and get better. But they can still both be as like both be fucked up inside. So until you actually go inside and heal and fix your mind, all of that other stuff is just surface. Yeah, I can understand. Like, uh, if you see it from the perspectives of the chakras, uh, if you believe in those, it's like the base chakra is uh, with the sexual activities. So when you are acting out of the root chakra, you seek validation through sex and when you are acting out of your crown chakra you will be meditating connecting with the higher nature call it go god call it the ether or however you put it so yeah like you know when uh the when you shared all of this i could connect the dots and understand it yeah, it's actually uh, something that needs to be dealt with and especially in today's world when all the television and all is actually destroying the culture in a lot of sense. Right, right. But here's the thing. Humans are so extreme and mm-hmm. at a certain level, most people are operating. If you're religious, if you're political, you are operating at a certain level of consciousness. And that level of consciousness is right or wrong, black, white. And, and because of that, you'll be like, okay, 
I was having sex, but now I think sex is wrong. So sex is bad. And it's either this way or that way, you know? And so then they'll demonize sex and they'll make it a bad thing, which for a lot of people just makes even more. I don't think sex is a bad thing. I think sex is amazing. I think sex is so powerful. It binds us to somebody. It like connects our souls. It's super pleasurable. It creates life. It's fun. It's amazing. It's sexy. It's wonderful. I love it. The problem is when you're just doing it unintentionally and unconsciously, which is bad if you do anything like that. If you eat too much unconsciously, if you're eating mindlessly, if you're drinking mindlessly, if you're just talking mindlessly, all of it is bad without, not bad, but it's not optimal without intention, right? I don't like to use the word bad because it's just like good, bad, you know, it's just like, it's this negative connotation and it makes people feel like they're bad because they haven't separated the behavior from themselves. So maybe that particular behavior is not healthy and it's not good. But if you know the solution, which is to just be intentional about things, be conscious about things, right? Like think about it. Think about the decision before you go in. Why am I doing this? Am I just needing to connect with somebody so I can feel seen and loved and heard? Do I really need to have sex with this person? Or maybe I can go to the movies or maybe I can just make love to myself and make a nice bubble bath and listen to romantic music. You know, it's like, there's just, cause there's a part of you that's just needing to be nourished. And that can look at like a lot of different things. Okay, so uh, before we wrap this up, would you like to share something about the activation project with our audience? Yes. Um, the activation project, uh, my website is theactivationproject.com. Uh, like I said, there's three phases, activate your mind, activate your tribe, activate the world. So the activating your mind is a six month program that involves journeys, guided journeys, as well as integration uh, sessions. We use NLP, timeline therapy, hypnosis, origin story. We use Jordan Peterson self-authoring. Um, all of these modalities that really just help to submit this information to educate you. And then uh, Activate Your Tribe is um, us providing you the tools to take back to your family because this activation can be quite difficult for family members and friends because you'll start to change and, you know, it can be a little bit disorienting. So we help you to go and educate your family and be able to share the information with the right tools so that you don't come in guns blazing and scare them off. The third one Activate Your World is all about aligning yourself with your highest calling, with your true vocation, with what you are supposed to be doing on this world, what your purpose is. So like Jay Shetty's book, Think Like a Monk, you know, he's talking all about your purpose. And in phase three, you find your purpose. And essentially, you know, a lot of times it's, it's some form of being a, of service to others. And so that, that's the activating the world part. You, you, about, uh, you bind together with your tribe and you know, form a community where people are working together in harmony. And you, know, you can let your neighbors watch your children if you need to. We teach permaculture, how to build earthship homes that are sustainable and all that stuff. 
Also, I have a podcast called The Activation Project. Um, we have a lot of really awesome guests on there. My co-host was kidnapped when she was two and taken to Murder Mountain. So her story is also very cool. Um, and then, yeah, we, uh, we're starting a YouTube channel. So Wow. And my Instagram is O underscore E-M 88. And, um, and Instagram, the activation project. Oh, that's lovely. Now anyone can connect with you easily. Yeah. Anyone yes. who can. And I would actually urge all the listeners to connect with Olivia and the activation project. Yes. Thank you so much Nishan, for this opportunity to come on. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much guys for listening to this podcast. If you want to get featured on the show and talk about what is sex to you and your experience of it, then DM us on Instagram at sex and everything else. Make sure you subscribe and share the podcast as much as possible. Take care guys. Cheers.